Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, where we explore how to make space for everyone in the yoga community. This podcast is brought to you by the Accessible Yoga Association, a nonprofit organization focused on accessibility and equity in yoga. Hi, I'm your host, Jeevana Heyman. My pronouns are he and him, and I serve as the director of Accessible Yoga. And I'm your co-host, Amber Carnes. My pronouns are she and her, and I serve as president of the Accessible Yoga Board of Directors. Hi, it's Jeevana. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're doing well. I'm excited because today we're sharing a special podcast with the amazing Octavia Rahim. Uh, this is actually an interview that I did with her a few weeks ago for my Yoga Revolution podcast, and I thought it would be great to share it again here because her new book just came out. Her book is called Pause, Rest, Be, Stillness Practices for Courage in Times of Change. It's such a great book. I find it really insightful, inspiring, uh, so poetic. I've loved her writing for a long time. Uh, this is her second book. Her first book, Gather, is also really amazing. Um, and I was so excited that Octavia had agreed to be a contributor to my book, Yoga Revolution. And so the Yoga Revolution podcast was a series of conversations that I did with all the contributors to my book. Uh, and I'd love for you to go and listen to those. Those are still available. You can search them up wherever you listen to podcasts. But here we're going to share the conversation I had with Octavia she shares the contribution that she wrote from my book, and then she also talks about her work in general. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. All right, here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Yoga Revolution podcast. I'm so excited about my special guest today, Octavia Rahim. Hi, Octavia. Hi. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. But let me introduce you first. So Octavia F. Rahim is a mother, author, yoga teacher and activist. She has received national attention for her work training yoga teachers and diversifying the yoga and wellness industry. She's the author of Gather and the new book that's just coming out, Pause, Rest, Be, Stillness Practices for Courage in Times of Change. Wow, so excited. You know what, We I have courage in my subtitle too. Oh, you do. Building a practice of courage and compassion. Yes. We're on the same page. We are. I, I hope so. We are. Thank you. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm present. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. That's the best answer the I've best ever heard. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I love that answer. I'm going to start saying that. Present. Um, well, Octavia, <laughs> I was wondering, I've been starting these podcasts by having the guests read their contribution to Yoga Revolution. So I wonder if you could do that on page, it's on page 139 that. of the book. All right. Thanks. Yeah, I would love to do that. So my ancestors didn't come here voluntarily until, until only a few decades ago, many didn't own their bodies or have access to basic freedoms. Despite that legacy of being physically bound and systemically shut out of so much, I know that my existence is evident of their belief and faith that freedom was slash is our birthright. For me, yoga is a practice toward liberation. 
It is a space to examine and shed the chains that are not mine to carry. It is an opportunity to untangle myself from the traps, projections, narratives, and expectations that dominant culture purports about people like me, a Southern-born Black American woman. Through my yoga practice, I've learned how to access freedom in my body and breath, space in my mind and heart. I connect to the wisdom in my soul, wisdom forged across space and time by my ancestors. And I kind of close that session, that that statement with um, some words by Toni Morrison. The function of freedom is to free someone else. Hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for allowing me to share that in the book. It just is so powerful and beautiful. Um, you know, and I think I, I tried to connect to that to some of the thoughts you shared in this section of the book um, on engaged yoga, just talking about the relationship between yoga and social justice. And honestly, this book, my book, Yoga Revolution, started, I started writing during Black Lives Matter. I was inspired by that, you know, mm-hmm. basically the biggest civil rights movement in, our, in history. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it felt like things were really changing in that moment, you know, and <laughs> I don't know how it feels right now, but... Um, it was so inspiring. Well, you know, even if things don't change in a moment, uh, you know, we're recording this in January 2022, the third yeah. day of January, right? Yeah. And, you know, everyone goes, new year, new year, or new, whatever. I see, I can't even get it right because I don't say it anymore. But I read something where someone was like, come on, y'all. We know that change is like, drops at a time, small steps at a time. That can be incredibly frustrating too though, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I could just feel that in the um in what you were saying about the moment of it felt like a big, expansive, very mm-hmm. visible change change and now it feels like an ember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ash or this is smoke smoldering. Yes. But it's there, though, right? Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I was excited because of my experience with AIDS activism, and I've been wanting yeah. to see more movements, more civil rights movements, you know, and it was just inspired me. And I've been thinking all along about the connections between yoga teachings and social justice. And then during those days it felt so clear to me i was like oh here we are here's the connection but i think some of the things you said i wanted to ask you more about um not owning their own bodies like to me that was really powerful statement because i thought about i was thinking about the way we teach yoga and and how in the west the western contemporary yoga practice is often taught in a way where it's still about controlling other people's bodies, you know, Mm. like the teacher or the Mm. lineage is doing this thing to you as the student, as a practitioner. And I, I don't know, I heard something in there. What do you think about that? You know, so as you were talking, I, um, so now I teach a lot of restorative yoga, yoga nidra, yin yoga, like kind of very still, quiet, low to the ground, far less performative in doing yoga. Before this, I teach them all though, right? I can teach poses. I taught power yoga for years. And when you were speaking, I thought about how it felt 
really intuitive to me when I taught a lot of physical practice to leave space for people to feel their bodies, listen to their bodies, be with their bodies and claim their mm-hmm. own bodies. Right? You know, in the language I use, like I, w- I could not. It was intolerable to me in classes when teachers would go, I want you to, because <laughs> I would go, it doesn't matter yes. what you want me to do because you're not in this body, right? And I think it can be really nuanced and subtle, like the way when we're teaching and guiding and holding that space for people to have an embodied experience, mm-hmm. the ways that we can, if we're not paying attention, be stripping people of a sense of, you know, ownership of their own body and experience, you know? Um, And so I guess as a teacher with this like blood running through my veins of those who've been free in body and those have not been free, like no one really taught me to not say certain things. Like when I did my yoga, my first 200 hour, you know, almost, I don't know, 15, 17 years ago, I just decided that I wasn't going to talk to people like I had more command over their body than they did. Mm. Right? Right. It's just not true. And it just further perpetuates, um, it disconnects us from our own like wisdom and inner listening and (laughs) loving of you know, the skin we're in. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just something to think about, right? Like, are we, even is the language we're using supporting people feeling um, free to Mm -hmm. be with their bodies as they are? Yeah, you, you said, through my practice, I've learned how to access freedom in my body and breath, space in my mind and heart. I connect to the wisdom in my soul, wisdom forged across space and time by my ancestors. You know what I'm talking about there, too? Yeah. Um, Because I practice, like the quiet yogas are those practices where I feel like I connect to my body and something more than my body, right? Um, My mind and what constructed that mind if I can go all the way out Mm -hmm. there and it's the interesting thing about how a lot of times we see and hear the word yoga or so Jeevan I'm gonna make a loud confession confession on your podcast (laughs) I don't always say I'm a yoga teacher anymore because people will then like bust out a pose and go well can you teach me how to better do this Uh (laughs) you know and I'm like I know that's what you've been led to think that that's what yoga is. And I think I probably participated in that perpetuation. Like, I know I did. Mm. I should claim that. Right. We all have to some degree when you know better, you do better. as my Angelo says. And, you know, like. The, that's just not that's not what it is. Right? And so that's just to say, like, as my personal practice and my teaching practice has really shifted from being very asana based, I feel like I've moved into a place or pose based, right? I've moved to a place where I'm like, ah, there's the taste of freedom in the Mm -hmm. silence. Oh, there's the taste of freedom Mm -hmm. in the simply sitting. There's the taste of what I am beyond 
all these other things. Um, and so when I'm talking about being able to connect to wisdom across space and time, I am literally talking about that, which we can experience through meditation, yoga, nature, those kind of practice. Because <laughs> I've never experienced that in, in Austin. I love poses, right? They're gateways. They're incredible. I think it's so important to, you know, like, touch and feel and be with this body. And I'm grateful I don't stop there, you know? Yes. A life-changing teaching experience I had, um, gosh, I don't know how many years ago this was, but I had a younger woman who'd... um, went in for a surgery, a back surgery, and woke up and couldn't move her body. Mm. And that was, she couldn't move, I think, her head and neck. And so um, she was paralyzed from there down. And she would come to my classes. I'm in her wheelchair. Most of the, a few other students in class, with, with her permission, we would, if she wanted to get out of wheelchair, we would put her on the floor and do, I was teaching restorative yoga and um, yoga ninja, and we would prop her up and really support her. And she loved coming to yoga ninja, and I'd be teaching specifically the 61 points, right, where you like, you are just feel into this place in your body. And um, so we did this practice of nothing right doing nothing right we're not moving we're not lifting your arm we're just bringing awareness to body parts <clears throat> and after the first time she just kind of stared at me then I was like I don't know if she's ever <laughs> come back I hope I didn't do anything wrong because this is a tender place to be in with someone right um, like I was like her first yoga class post you know whatever therapy she was going to. But then the second time she came, we did the practice and she goes, I can feel. Hmm. And I was like, you can feel. And she was like, you don't understand. Like I don't, don't feel below. She was like, thank you for just the simple practice of bring awareness here, bring awareness here. And she was like, I felt like I was a floating head you know, since mm. what happened to her. Mm. And in that moment, and she, and she was like, and then just reminded me to connect to my breath. And, you know, that's still there. And that moves through my whole body. Mm. And she was like, yeah, we're not. And so I wasn't teaching asana poses. That class wasn't a pose class. And this woman was like, my body is waking up. And she was like, there was no expectation. Like, and I'm going to get up and walk. But it was just like. Mm-hmm. I can feel there's a sense of presence, prana, and awareness in the rest of my being. Yes. And that was when I said, oh, you know, if I would, you know, yoga and liberation, I was like, oh, that is really powerful. Like, she was my teacher in that moment. Yes. I kind of feel I like I just started that. rambling, but... Just no, I love it. I've had similar experiences. My students, most many of my students with disabilities taught me similar things Mm -hmm. everything I've learned pretty much about yoga but that's Mm -hmm. why what I think I disagree with you I think you are teaching yoga I think you're actually teaching yoga and that it's the people who think they're teaching yoga when they're just doing asana only without taking Mm -hmm. it deeper 
to connect with what's beyond the body and mind, then I don't know if we're teaching yoga, actually. Well, I really, I do agree with you. And is so wild in this moment. I'm like, what? Okay, this is, I don't know if I can make it make sense. <laughs> we know that, we know what you just said is true. So I guess I shouldn't just go, no, I'm not a yoga teacher. I actually have to be like, yes, I teach yoga and this is what I'm teaching. Or mm -hmm. I share yoga and this is what I'm sharing. So thank you for that. <laughs> Versus just saying it's too much to try to explain. And... <laughs> to change the world. <laughs> like, do you change yourself or change the world? It's like, you know what? Yeah. I mean, I, I think what you're teaching is beyond yoga, too, honestly. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can get that. I get that you're talking about your own family's wisdom also, which may not have been called yoga, right? So, like, maybe that's part of that. I what I hear a little of. Yeah, but. it is. It is. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, I think to me, when we can get to the subtlety that you get to, that's where the power lies. Like you, I mean, I'm so grateful to you and your emphasis on that, on the quiet part of the practice, on the part that is around, I don't know how to say this, I think what you do so so well, traditionally in, the, in yoga, there's a lot of denial of the body and mind, mm. and like instead we should embrace spirit, like instead, mm. like as if it's a binary, and it is, it's a dual, it's a dualistic philosophy, right? Like the yoga sutras, present us with this kind of dualism, like body, mind on the one side and spirit on the other. Mm -hmm. And what I feel like, what I get in your teaching and in your real book, which I wanted to talk about a little bit actually, is more of a integrated approach, which is something that I'm very interested in personally. Mm -hmm. um, how do we integrate our human experience and our spiritual life, mm -hmm. you know, rather than just always picking one or the other? denying mm. one or the other you know mm. should i give you an example <laughs> well you know a thought i just had and i, I don't know what else is going to yeah. come out of my mouth but i was like mothering you know parenting <laughs> mm. it feels like such a very concrete satna of that because you have these beings that you're like wow there's something very spiritual and transcendent and this like like connection and and then they yeah. stay the snack you still gotta cut the apple right <laughs> you know like there's like like so, aren't, aren't we just <laughs> being in relation intimate relationship with other people you're like this deeply spiritual and like wow yeah. like this effervescence to it and which one of y'all is gonna wash the laundry <laughs> like you know yeah. <laughs> and i just feel like um i don't i don't know it, it is, although the, the stew of being is body and mind and spirit and um, do I believe at our essence and kind of core, like we are like the, the I think there's like a, God, what do you call it? A cliche now. We're spiritual beings mm. having a physical experience. I, mm -hmm. I, get, I get that. And God, here's this spiritual, this physical experience that we're, we're having. And I think that that informs 
all the other, like it's all informing itself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like one of my spiritual lenses comes from Greater Timber Ridge Baptist Church that I grew mm -hmm. up in um, where mm -hmm. I had experiences that now I'm like, huh, that kind of feels like, um, you know, when I'm chanting for a long time and that that essence comes up like, but what we were singing is this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. That's what we were singing. We weren't singing to Durga. But and so like for me, um, I don't know where I was going with that. But. Yeah. <laughs> no, here, I want to read a quote of yours from your new book. Um, you say this is a short one. You are not lost. You are here to reorient your way to the path that is truly yours to walk. I feel like that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also wrote that because I'm thinking about the kind of collective moment we're living through. Mm, okay. And it also feels, you can feel like, I am so lost. Where am I today? Okay, now where am I now? And I think there's profound kind of reorientation happening. We're being asked to like look around and see what's actually here, see who's actually here. Um, and then in, in that seeing who's here, see who's not here. Hmm. See and seeing where we are, see where we are not. Um, hmm. Yeah. And, so, I, and I want to just reflect back to what you said about having kids. And a lot of my book is about that, too. Like a lot of my practice came out of being a parent. You know, I, I was lucky that I got to be the main caregiver for both of my kids. I don't know how many men get to do that from, you know, very early. My kids were adopted like at birth, basically. And then we had the struggle of trying to keep them alive, <laughs> you know. And like you said, it's like. That was spiritual awakening for me, having to wake up in the middle of the night without a thought to my own, to myself. Not mm -hmm. I shouldn't say have to, to be able to wake up in the middle of the night and do something for my, in, my infant child mm. out of love. That was like, oh, wait, this is actually what it means to love. This is what it means to serve. Like, I didn't even know before, you know, what mm -hmm. that meant. And I was like, that's what we're talking about. And the thing I think about, I uh, had this um, this healer I used to go to, and she said, you know, I was telling her how much I loved my son. I was like, it is actually breaking my heart. Like, I, my mm -hmm. heart is expanding. It's like, this is it's unexpected. It's a lot. And she said, your divine loves you like that. And so it gave me this concept. Oh, wow. I never thought, like, I am that loved, right? And then some, uh, right? Because clearly it's more uh, than that. Um, but I also think just you know, those kind of close relationships, whether it's with children or a partner, you think we can have them with other sentient beings, right? Mm. Um, it, it also exposes you to yourself. You go, you think you're one thing and then you get to really see who you are. Yeah. Who was it, Ram Dass, who was like, you think you're spiritual and evolved and he go spend a week with your family. Your family. Right? I know. <laughs> Exactly. Um, <clears throat> exactly. I think about that a lot. You know, I, I feel lucky because I, when I, right when I met my husband, I was um, thinking about becoming a monk, actually. Mm -hmm. Like you that's the path. I you were joking when you said No, it. I'm serious. I was ready to become a monk. I was on the path. I was all in. Like I'm diving into that yoga stuff. And he like, kept me out. He kept me in the world. And I actually think I, I, it's a blessing 
mm. you know, to have this family life and mm. the struggle of kids. And, you know, my kids are older. Just wait until they're teenagers, you know, which is that. <laughs> Talk about breaking your heart. I mean, that's, mm. what, that's what their job is to, you know, when they're teenagers, you know, their job is to break your heart so that you can let them be free. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It's taught me a lot. So I am grateful for that. And also struggling still struggling all right i want to read something else from you you said your heart may be broken walk Mm. through the opening rest in the inner sanctuary of your being place your most intimate soft and loving prayers on the altar within your heart this is one way to remember you are whole Mm. Mm. yeah you know, so I write a lot. I rest and write. That's my process. People go, hey, yeah. how do you write these books? <laughs> I go, and then one lady I was just talking to, she was like, you know, they feel channeled. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I was like, well, I just um, go listen. Like what wants to come through me? What needs to be spoken? What does not need mm. to be spoken? Um, and I also, just a moment we're all living through, in addition to just regular life, I'm like, oh, it's so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. And where the break is, there's this opening, right? Like that's what's happening when you were talking about, I presume you were kind of talking about what was going on in June 2020, um, post-George Floyd's murder, mm-hmm. rest in love and peace and power. Um all this breaking, also all this opening, right? What's going to come out, what's going to come come in. Um, that's what I was thinking about when I wrote that. Because sometimes we have a profoundly negative connotation to the broken. Yeah. And I feel like through my yoga practice, um, yoga helps me have the courage to like face life as it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And in that way, start to really have more capacity to vision and then activate how it can be, if that makes any sense. And mm-hmm. and because um, like yoga, like it's this unthawing mechanism for me because I can be really stoic and kind of just like numb out to push through. And mm-hmm. those practices like. Yin, just sit and be quiet. You know, if you if you have a meditation practice, you sit enough, something starts to, you know, it's not just your mind, something starts to happen in your heart. You know, you start to, I don't know another way to describe it other than unthawing, and that unthawing kind of starts to mm-hmm. like break open to like, oh, because we, our, culturally, our relationship to just like feeling and expression of feeling is we clamp that down. And I don't really subscribe to a yoga that's just like clamp that down. Mm. <laughs> I don't I mean, I don't know if there's any yoga that really does that, but um, it's just my yoga is how do I how do I face what is. And anger, you talk about that, the deep, strong feelings. You talk about that. Yeah, um, I was going to say with courage and compassion and that's in your title. <laughs> how, do I, how do I face this with courage? Right. And core. Courage comes from the Latin, the core, the root, which is the heart. Yeah, that's the French word for heart, core. Yeah, core. How do I face this? 
with my heart. Yeah. That's what I've tried to get at too. You know, you do it in this much simpler, more direct way. I mean, I hate to compare, but I don't know. Like I'm blown away by some of the things you say. Here's another one. The truth is that only the most courageous are ever brought this far and deep into the unknown. The ones who are willing to face the darkness within themselves and the world to understand the level of light needed to move forward. You are here because you are one of the courageous ones. Mm -hmm. That was to you, Jeevana. <laughs> and, and your listener. Thank you. And Dr. Gail Parker and Jacoby Ballard. Mm. And, you know, all of these people that, um, you know, public public facing in some way. And there's also like what we traverse to face in the direction that we have. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're able to write about the yoga revolution and revolution is not cute and sexy. Right? You're no. like, you're not writing about it. You're living it. You are activating it. You're calling people into it. Um, you're lifting people up into it. You're falling down into it. It's like, well, I, I, I assume that if you are here doing mm. this, it's because you have been called into doing it with your mm -hmm. courageous heart. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes we're like, well, why, why do I got to get that lesson? Where are you going to need it for later? <laughs> are you going to, you know, shore up your work? Or it gives mm -hmm. you a more compassionate lens. It grants you the grace to have a more compassionate lens to look mm -hmm. through as you look out into the world and see and serve people. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I think it has to do with um, seeing something, you know, in myself and wanting to... And also seeing the world. It's like, it's a process to me of reflection, inner reflection, and then also seeing it out there mm -hmm. and feeling like, you know, spiritual practice is the key to mm -hmm. making change in the world. You know, like any kind of change that's going to happen in the world that's positive comes from people's inner work. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I was, that's what I'm trying to say in my book is that yoga is, it's an inner revolution. Like the way we, embrace ourselves the way we relate to ourselves and also then it changes the way you walk in the world it does. if you do that work because you're not projecting everything onto other people and yeah. looking for other people to fix you all the time mm -hmm. and i think that's where so much damage can occur mm -hmm. i guess i'm trying to find a way to help people it's like I read the other day somewhere like so much damage is done when we try to fix the world. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Here's another one of yours. You say right now, the only light coming through is that of an intense fire, the fire of your rage. You do not have to simmer down. Do not burn yourself either. Peer into the fire. What fuels it? And how can the light of it serve you in this dark place? Mm -hmm. yeah what's the fuel behind the fire how can we like own that and then like use that for our own transmutation mm. um, 
And I haven't read the whole book, but I was thinking about Lama Rod Owens' work. You know, he, yes. um, his book, Love and Rage, and the teaching to like not deny it, to not turn away from it, right? Because, you know, we turn away from it, we clap it down, it comes up and out and it spews onto other people. Right. Or we completely stuff it down. It goes over here and like does this thing to our left shoulder, our heart, our liver. I'm just naming things. Right. But meaning it, it it's like turning on ourselves. Yeah. <clears throat> and, I, and I just again, it's like I said earlier, it's like, how can we be with these big expressions of humanity like rage or sorrow or grief or any of those things? with some level of skill because um, without skill with those things, how can we be with and in love and joy and all those other things that we're like, we want more of that. Well, how can we be with that if we can't be with the, <clears throat> the other side of it? Um, mm. You know, when you were talking about um, inner work so that this you're offering the fruit, if you will, of that inner work out into the world. That's what I heard you say. Mm-hmm. I went back to the song. I was kind of started talking about at the beginning mm-hmm. of this podcast, this little light of mine, I'm going to mm-hmm. let it shine. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the singing of that and hearing of that and remembering it, the way I internalized that song and that I grew up singing was that I already have to be in relationship with the light within me, <laughs> you know, and I have to like, you know, uncover whatever is covering it or trying to smolder it out. I have to do what it takes for that light to shine. And then it shines from within to out. Right. You know, and I feel like that's what we're talking about. It's like from the within to out. Cause it's like, we don't have the, we, we don't have the light and to be clear, we all have it. Right. But we don't have that light to just sit in the corner and hold it and hoard it from the world. Right. Right. Or to be stewards of tending to it within us. And then we have that splendid luminousness mm. to offer back out. That's so beautiful. You just said that so well. Ah, I love it. Oh my God. You're too much. You're too much. How does that feel? How does it feel for you to have these books in the world? Or this one's about to come out. I'm just curious how that feels. You know, it feels, you said this at your launch. You were like, wow, you write these things and then it's out in the world. Like, It's really like writing is an intimate act. These things are coming from within you and then you go here. Uh, (laughs) I feel really tender and hopeful and very excited to um, have the opportunity to connect to people in a way that I feel like words can. Um, You know, the beautiful thing about books, Stephen, and I know you know this because you travel the world teaching your book can travel more. Mm-hmm. Your book can go forward more. It can actually create more accessibility um, because it is more accessible. And there's only one you and there's one me and there could be in the world a million copies of this book, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> I mean, yeah. I hope that Pause Recipe, the book I wrote, is a companion. Um, the way I thought about it was just like, 
I think there's a lot of loneliness in the world. Like even when we're with people, we can just feel like I'm alone. <laughs> you know, I think we were all in our own beings, having these really big experiences and emotions and like, where do we put them? Where do they go? And hmm. it's actually hard to express some of the levels of like loss, devastation and just like trauma and grief we're all going through. Yeah. And I hope the book can be a companion. Yeah. I just can't believe you just said that because <laughs> I've started working on a new project, which I haven't told anyone about. And now you're telling that, me. <laughs> I'm just saying that word companion is right in there. That's like, mm -hmm. where, that's what inspired me mm -hmm. of exactly what you said, you know, that yeah. I'd like to support people on their journey. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it was very clear that that was like the way into that new, the new project. So Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love that. You like those C words, that. courage, compassion. <laughs> I know. Right? Me too. I'm like that too. So <laughs> Yes. Change. You got change in there too. Courage in times of change. It's so awesome. Pause, rest, be. Any anything else you want to share about it or about your teaching? Oh, I just, I want to tell you thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, thanks for being here with me and, and for sharing and for writing these books, both this one and Gather. People, if you don't know, Gather is already available, right? It's already out there. It is. And Pause Recipe comes out, um, what? February 1st. February 1st. 2022. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for thank you for being you and for spending time with me and talking with us today. Uh, and I'll put a link to the we'll put a link to the book uh, in your website in the show notes. And take care of yourself. Thank you, Jivana. All right. Thanks, Octavia. Okay. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Accessible Yoga Podcast. We're so grateful to be in community with you. Please check out our website, accessibleyoga.org, to find out more about our upcoming programs, including our annual Accessible Yoga Conference. At our website, you can also learn more about how to become an Accessible Yoga Ambassador and support the work that we are doing in the world. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also submit a question or suggest a topic or potential guest you'd like us to interview at accessibleyoga.org. See you next time.